0: I'm Glenn Robinson and I've spent the last 30 years as a healthcare leader and overseeing large organizations. And before that, I was in the news business and I'm Jacob Robinson, his son. I've spent the last five years building
1: a business and learning lessons of leadership along the way. And this is our podcast, Chasing What Matters.
0: On this podcast, we're going to interview leaders from all walks of life and hear their stories of successes and failures, and what has made them become who they are today, and how their faith and families played a role in their lives and leadership styles. During
1: these interviews, we will be discussing things from business to politics, healthcare to nonprofit, and anything in between to find out how these leaders are chasing what matters in their work and personal life. So welcome to another episode of Chasing What Matters. Hey, everyone. We're so glad you could join us again for our podcast. Welcome to 2023.
0: We have a very special podcast for you today as we kick off the new
1: year. I'm your co-host, Jacob
0: Robinson. And I'm your other co-host, Glenn Robinson. Believe it or not, this is our 100th episode. And as our listeners know, our podcast has always been about other leaders and not really about us, but we have had some of our listeners ask us to give a few updates on what's been going on in our lives over the past two and a half years. So today we thought we would do that, but we also want to reflect upon the great 90 plus guests that we have had on the Chasing What Matters podcast, and especially some of the great things that we learned from them. Jacob, did you ever think that we would be saying welcome to our 100th episode? Yeah, no, I
1: honestly, I'm I'm not really sure. I think when we started this, uh, I think we felt really confident we could get five to 10 guests. Uh, And then after that, I think if you would have said, y'all need to do 100 episodes, that would have seemed uh, almost insurmountable. But uh, lo and behold, uh, here we uh, we are, 100 episodes in, uh, and with more coming, Uh, we have guests that uh, are already booked throughout this year, and and we're excited to keep this thing rolling to see where it goes and what conversations come up. Uh, but what's crazy about you know, <clears throat> you know, podcasts are growing. Uh, obviously, there's tons of them out there. We'll get to that in a second. But analytics behind it, uh, because across the multiple platforms, it's hard to get a lot of data on your podcast, how it's doing, uh, where it's trending. Uh, we use a lot of we use the uh, our, our the service that we subscribe to to help you know consolidate a lot of that, tell us a lot of info. One of the crazy statistics that they have out there is there they're currently over 4 million podcasts on, um, on all these various platforms, but only about 150,000 of them, which is still a large number, but 150,000 of them have had 10 episodes and have published an episode in the last 10 days. Which, which is really crazy if, if you think about um, because of the the great guests we've had, uh, because of our friends, our network, people that have been sending us guests, uh, we're able to produce a hundred episodes in in two and a half years. And so if you boil that stat down a little bit more and and you want to read between a few of the lines, uh, that puts our podcast in the top five percent of episode producing podcast, not revenue producing. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, uh, uh, for the record, but, uh, podcast guest producing, it's, that's really crazy. And, and just, a uh, just a thank you to all the guests that have taken time out of their day to sit down with us and talk about their life and their journey. Um, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun.
0: And how many of those are there? We look at two and a half years. We've now had over 40,000 downloads and Jacob mentioned the monetary piece. Uh, we we could change our mind down the road but we don't think so Uh, right now in fact we get a lot of positive feedback from our listeners saying thank you for not monetizing your podcast so we don't have to listen all those crazy commercials so when you listen to and download a chasing what matters podcast that's all you get and uh, because we're not in this uh, to make any money is we've never made a dime doing this and that's not at all why we do it we do it uh, really to meet incredibly cool and interesting people and be able to learn from them and be able to share their ideas about leadership and faith some of the other statistics uh, if if we're looking at those we're now currently uh, we have listeners in almost every state in America but we also have listeners on six other continents Uh, besides uh, if if we look at uh, countries for instance behind the United States France Germany Norway United Kingdom and Canada uh, have some of our uh, largest listenership. Um, We're also diving into it. Jacob and I are always interested as to who are some of the guests that we've had that have drawn the biggest audience, the largest number of downloads and those that are most listened to uh, by far is first Dr. Nathan Harness. Uh, This is a friend of Jacob's. Um, He is the fellow that was a student at Texas tech and then graduated and then wound up going to New York for his very first job, and uh, his very first day of work was September the 10th, 2001, and thus the second day of orientation was 9-11, and he talks about how the good Lord spared his life and truly led him out of that building. Our second most listened to podcast, Jonathan Pakluda, the pastor of Harris Creek, uh, also an author and a national speaker. And then um, our kickoff episode was number three. That's uh, our very first episode that we had on the podcast. Number four, Brett Rogers. Brett, a dear friend, a young life leader. And, uh, uh, just an amazing story of him. And also they have two sons, uh, and, uh, Blake and Zach, and they lost Blake several years ago. And so that podcast was about, uh, losing a child and, and the huge loss that comes from that. And then our fifth, most popular podcast, Drayton McLean, uh, Uh, former owner of the Houston Astros and a board member at Baylor Scott and White. So, well, that's enough statistics for now. Next, a quick update on what's been going on in our lives over the past two and a half years. So Jacob, you get to go first. Yeah, you know, we were just talking before uh, we started recording this.
1: Last year feels like such a blur. Not that it wasn't monumental. It was extremely monumental. Uh, I just think post-COVID, I think it's going to probably take, or post-2020, I should say, it's probably going to take a few years for all of us to reorient uh, and actually think of years normally again. Um, So the last two and a half years, and and I even had to pause and realize that it's been two and a half years since we've been doing this. You you know, a lot has happened, and then a lot of things have not happened. Um, You know, going into covid uh i was running one stone solutions our commercial cleaning company uh we uh pierce uh was chugging along Annie had just come into our world november of 2019 so we were in that mode uh and then um dig world we'll get to in a second was not on dig world was was going uh we we didn't know really where to take it and and starting a theme park in the middle of covid wasn't uh didn't sound like the best idea uh and so that was de facto on pause uh, and then a buddy of mine and I started a real estate company. Um, in the middle of COVID, probably I think May of 2020, and that has taken off and 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 launched us into a a new industry that I never thought I'd be in. Uh, focus on 18 wheelers. Uh, and so I've never even been in an 18 wheeler. Uh, and and uh, that's been just really fun to see the workings of that and and people that have come into our lives and and help expedite that company. Um, to uh, to a, to a Crazy um, high level, and Dave's doing a great job running that. Uh, and so, you know, we've been chugging along. I've gotten involved in Brookwood, which is uh, we I know we had Yvonne and Vivian uh, on the show, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. Founders of, uh, Yvonne's founder of Brookwood. Uh, it's a facility out here, right outside of of Houston, where adults with disabilities and special needs uh, get to live in, in a great community. And and I was uh, fortunate and blessed to be appointed as one of their board members, and so that's given me a really cool insight to um sit around the table with some amazing individuals uh learn about an amazing organization that's been around for a while how you run a nonprofit how you keep a nonprofit going that's a very expensive nonprofit um and and how you care for um the citizens that live there uh and so that's been a really cool unique experience i'm obviously biased uh and and have a lot of um you know uh um bent towards the organization with peers and so it's near and dear to our hearts uh, but that's been a cool god story of 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 years in the making all the way back to unbeknownst to me, Melissa's bridal luncheon before we got married was out of Brookwood. So it's, it's, it's cool to see God weave that organization back into our lives uh, in a, in a big way. And so, you know, and now uh, in March of 2022, we launched uh, and we opened Dig World. And, and so my year this year uh, in a lot of ways has felt like it's like five years packed into nine months. Uh, And in some ways it feels like we've been doing it about, you know, three weeks. Uh, but we've gotten to run a theme park and and open a theme park and manage a theme park and um and that has been absolutely a joy and a blast and and so much fun. Uh, it's also been challenging and trying and frustrating and annoying and <laughs> all of those things too. Um, I think I finally well, I don't know one stone may have gotten me there, but um I can't really remember crying. Uh, the adage of you put your blood, sweat, and tears into an organization uh I'm, I'm not sure I, maybe i put tears into one stone i'm not sure definitely blood and sweat uh but dig world accomplished all three <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in good good and bad ways uh to get where we're going and and you know we just we uh closed out the christmas break and we're excited about what's ahead there
0: well before we go any further uh I- explain to our listeners for those that may not be familiar with dig world what is dig world uh, what can someone expect if they, uh, purchase a ticket and enter that theme park? Yeah. So it,
1: it's a theme park where kids and adults get to operate real construction equipment. So when you come to our park, you're going to get to operate real excavators, real skid steers, real UTVs. You're going to get to do various things with the equipment. Um, uh, but, but as long as you're 32 inches or taller, uh, which is a really young kid, uh, for those out there listening, um, you get to operate the machines. We've re-engineered them, redesigned them, made them safe. Uh, and then we have various other things at the park you can do, other theme park things. Um, uh, we host a lot of birthday parties and, and uh, corporate events and stuff like that. But you're, you're going to get to come and, and experience <clears throat> operating real construction equipment. I think that's one of the things that people always have a misunderstanding is, one, it's it's real equipment. It's it's not uh, remote control toys. It's not uh, you know, machines that are turned off, they they are real machines that are on that your kid is going to get to operate, uh, and be in, in, I would say 90% control of, uh, we do have those safety mechanisms, but, uh, they're going to get to really dig dirt and they're going to get to play games and they're going to get to drive a skid steer around a a windy track and a UTV, um, and, and do other things. But that's what you'll get when you come to the park. and, And we have seen, um, this, this weekend we had a 73 year old birthday party. Uh, as a ladies, it was her, her dream to always operate these machines. And and that's what she wanted to do. And so our guests, so when people call and they say, I got an email this morning, Hey, what's the perfect age for your park? I mean, two to 73, uh, is the answer. Uh, and so I'm, I'm a believer if, if, if you're alive, I think you'll probably have a good time, but, uh, that's what, that's what dig world is.
0: And where is it located?
1: right outside Houston and Katie, Texas, where I live. Um, so we're right on I-10, uh, Katie, there's a, a massive mall here. There's a Bass Pro Shop, a uh, big water park next door. So we're right there, uh, on I-10. So if you drive by, uh, anywhere in the, uh, I-10 and Katie, uh, you're going to pass us.
0: I know you get asked this all the time. Where'd the idea come from? Yeah, that's a,
1: that's a, <clears throat> uh, an interesting story. So, um, became familiar with the park four years ago or 2018. Um, is that five years ago
0: four years ago four to five years
1: ago? four to five years yeah uh so it's so we became familiar with the park about four to five years ago in 2018 uh there's a park up in new jersey that's been around since 2014 and then before that they're actually a a park out of the uk that was around 2000 and uh same concept a little bit different footprint uh and so i called a, a good buddy of mine rick bennett and uh he was living in nashville at the time i said hey we've got this crazy idea uh i we should go up to new jersey and see if this theme park is the real deal because if it's the real deal we should either franchise with these guys or or we should um you know build one of our own uh pierce um has you know even before he got sick always been a- obsessed with construction equipment and and garbage trucks and dump trucks and uh, excavators and and anything blippy sings about pretty much but um uh <laughs> I said, "Listen, I, I know, I know this will work, right? I mean, I've, I've got a kid that's the the perfect target audience, so we need to go up there and see if it'll it'll um, if it's a real deal. So, you and I, uh, Rick and his dad, uh, we all flew up to Philadelphia, and then drove over to the park. And I think right upon arrival, I think we were all hook, line, and sinker that this was the real deal. Uh, we had questions on how it worked and and uh, the logistics and safety and all that kind of stuff, but." there were people from all over. I mean, I think that day we met for people from Connecticut, Ohio, Washington, I mean, New York, New York. Uh, all over the place. And, yeah. and, um, and so we, we said, yeah, let's do it. And we reached out to those guys, asked if they want to franchise. They don't, that's not their model. They were actually, what we now know is they were in the middle of a big expansion of their park. They've added a, a big water park uh, to the side of their park. So, so they didn't, they had no, I no desire to really grow to Texas. They wanted to double down on what they were doing there in New Jersey. Uh, and so we naively said, Hey, listen, we'll just raise money. It'd be no big deal. Uh, we'll just raise money on our own and, uh, we'll open up a theme park here and, uh, that'll be that. And so, uh, that's, that's where the idea came from. Uh, we had no idea, uh, how, how long and, uh, the journey that it would take to get there, but that was, that was the premise behind it.
0: Well, also, I give you a lot of credit for doing a lot of the research and, and, and really looking at it from a business model uh when When you and your brother and sister were younger, we would often kid about one day we'll build a a, a sand lot uh that are for grown ups with taco toys and 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 you took a look at that and you realized that that particular model would not really b- make a a good business going forward uh if 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 you and I did that, we would do it once and eh, we may never do it again the rest of our lives. but you realize if you could draw the scale down so that younger kids can actually operate this equipment and figure out ways to do it safely, that uh, that is a much, much more attractive theme park because it appeals, as you said earlier, to to, to all ages. It's been interesting to watch you and your team uh, over the past four years in developing this project. Take our listeners uh, just through some of the challenges, uh, some of the roadblocks, and uh, how you overcame some of the barriers.
1: Yeah, I... You know, uh, Melissa and I talked about it literally yesterday, uh, we were driving around and I said, you know, one of the, one of the reasons I'm confident that this is going to continue to work, uh, is because God's hand is, has been all over this, um, and, and, and not the way that we always want God's hand over something. Right. Um, and that's in the hand of redirecting or shutting doors or, um, um, completely closing doors where you're going, I have no idea, uh, what we're supposed to do now and and that was the journey of the last four years to get where we're at now and now it, uh to current day where we're at it seems very clear of this was always the right decision and and what's crazy is four years ago where we're at today was nowhere on our radar like what, what we were going to, what we what we built today the three and a half park and we'll talk about this second. the three and a half park and adam at at a, you know outside of a mall, uh right there on i-10 nowhere in our, in our, uh, idea model. Uh, we were going to build a 30 acre park. It was going to be even further outside of town. Uh, we wanted you to come all day, spend all day there, big food and beverage operation, the whole deal. And we got rid of all that. Uh, and, um, and now the park that we have is completely different than the park. We not completely different. It, it still delivers the same thing, but, but the, the scale, the size, the, the, the deliverables, that kind of stuff has completely changed to, for the, for the better. I mean, I, Rick and I often talk like if we had built what we want to build, we, we might already be out of business because of the, the cost that it would take to keep it going and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but looking back over the last four years, you know, right before one of, um, I, I, I it up to just God's, you know, blessing in my life. I, I listened to a podcast and I probably referenced it on this podcast. Um, it was how I built this. It was with the the founder of Peloton. And, and I honestly, I can't, really tell, I can't, I, don't, I have a Peloton. I can't tell you the guy's name, but, but what stood out, stood out to me so much is that we, you know, now I know the company has a lot of financial issues and blah, 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 but the concept that he developed is, is genius, right? I mean, it is genius. It, and, 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 and uh, I listened to another podcast, the founder of Noom, he actually had the idea of Peloton um, about five years before that guy came along and he was laughed out of the room. Um, and, and it was talking about just the right, right timing, the right idea, Um, and it, but, but what this guy talked about is for three years, he, he went back and counted. He, he met with three people a day, seven days a week for three years before he, he heard his first yes from an investor. That's a lot of meetings of no. He drained him and his wife's personal savings account. They sold their house. Uh, I mean, everything on this idea. And then he's worth a ton of money now. And, and that's not always the end goal. That's not always the end of the story. But I think what, what, the, the thing I needed to hear out of that was this guy who we tout as this genius with this great product and a cool company, three years set across from people, three times a day, seven days a week before he heard his first yes. If, if people don't really comprehend that, the mental jujitsu that that takes on somebody uh, is is crazy. And so for us, if you think about the numbers, the sheer numbers of meetings that that is of people telling you no, uh, and, and, and what people I think don't comprehend is in that meeting when you're getting the no, more times than not, it's not a, hey, listen, I think you're a genius. I think this is a phenomenal idea. I just don't have the money to invest. It's more of, hey, I think this is the dumbest idea ever. Uh, you're not going to succeed. I don't want to be a part of it. Uh, it's never going to work. All these things. And so to be able to do that for that long uh was always mind blowing to me. Lo and behold, I didn't know we would have a a minor version of that uh for three years. I mean, uh, you know, Rick and I, we went back and counted, we had over 245 meetings. All were no's to get to our 30 investors that we have today. Um and and for two and a half years of that, uh, we just heard no after no after no. Then COVID came along. That didn't help our sales pitch. Uh, because if you, you know, first off my sales pitch is, Hey, listen, <clears throat> I'm going to take a four-year-old and I'm going to put them on a machine by themselves and I'm going to let them drive. it. You know, most people would say, get out, get out of office. I don't want to be anywhere. Uh, a part of that. Then you couple that with, Hey, listen, I got an idea. I'm going to try to get as many people as possible and I'm going to put them together as, as closely as we can at three and a half acres, uh, in the middle of a global pandemic <clears throat> is also not the greatest idea. So we had two of those things working against us, uh, and, and so it just t- it took the right people, it, it, and God brought in the right people at the right time, the right investors, um, caught the vision, um, and we have a group of 30 individuals now that are phenomenal, and, and I was talking to one of our investors this morning about it. Of, he had a startup that uh, ended up having to sell and didn't go too well at the end, <clears throat> but he talked about how 50% of his investors called him and yelled at him and were super mad. 50% said, Hey, listen, we know you tried your hardest. And and I I would like to believe that all 30 of our investors right now, uh, if we had to fold up shop would say, Hey, we know you gave it your all. And so I, we're 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 blessed with the right people. Um but that four year journey, <clears throat> three and a half year journey of raising the money was brutal. Uh brutal. And and um it, it we we honed in our skills a lot of really quickly telling early on if somebody was in or out. Um but we learned a lot. We met a lot of interesting people and, and not all these people were bad by no means. Do I, do I look back at those meetings and and can't stay of those individuals. Uh, we learned a ton from, them. we polished our pitch every time we changed things that people were concerned about. Uh, some of those people that said no, the, the very first meeting we had that said no to us, they came in as some of our very last investors. Uh, and I love having them a part of the group. And, um, and some of them we invited to the, that said no, came to the ribbon cutting ceremony. And so, um, it's been a very interesting journey that has allowed us to meet a lot of individuals, um, across this great state and across the country. But, uh, it was a journey nonetheless, it was, it was a journey.
0: Well, it's been, it's been fun to watch and you've not even been open an entire full 12 months, but you mentioned the grand opening, the ribbon cutting, how did that go? And any lessons learned from that?
1: Yeah, it was a total disaster. Uh, it was, um, there's no other words for it. Uh, I've often told people in the theme park space, I can't wait to be a keynote speaker one day, uh, at a convention and, and ask all these people, how many of you have ever opened up a theme park, raise your hand. And then I'm gonna say, how many of you have closed it down less than 12 hours later, raise your hand. Uh, and so, you know, we have a very, Rick and I have a very, uh, uh, niche line on our resume, uh, as of today, but you know, we learned, we learned a lot. What happened is, is we did not have enough equipment ready to go. For the people that came, uh, and we fell flat on our face, and we did not li- deliver the product we wanted as far as uh, people being able to experience the park and in, in a timely manner uh, enjoy everything at the park. In hindsight, twenty twenty, um, we learned a, a ton of it's it's okay to press pause on something and and do it right. Uh, we were trying to cram in and get open during spring break. And, um, there was a lot of issues with, uh, the engineering side of things and, um, just some logistics that we should have said, Hey, listen, let's just pause and let's open up next weekend. And, and I, that would have changed everything. We never would have, uh, it was literally, we just needed three more days is all we needed. Uh, and, and I think we had just come so long so far, four years that the finish line was right there. And we just said, you know what, forget it. Let's just open it. It'll be fine that was not the right answer uh, at all. And so we had a bad, uh, we delivered a bad experience for people. Uh, they let us know about it. Um, and and every single one of them were right uh, in their opinions of it. I got to go on a lot of news uh, outlets and try to explain what, what happened. Um, and and you know what, what learning, I mean, what's, what stings is we just hired a marketing firm and, and they said, what's your biggest hurdle? Our biggest hurdle is a lot of people still think we're closed. And because every news article pushed out that Dig World had closed, they didn't push back out that we had reopened three days later but <clears throat> um so we still fight that today which is which is a very interesting thing to fight which actually gives me great optimism because i'm like we're doing really well a lot of people are coming and a lot of people still think we're closed so that's good once they find out we're open it'll be even better but uh the grand opening was terrible um that was probably one of the you take pierce out of out of the story obviously uh i i'm not sure i felt any lower at that point um of just I thought the whole dream was done and 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 just and delivering something that you worked so hard for and it just goes so poorly was brutal. And I still have uh um grand opening PTSD. Uh I I still will like I had a customer this past weekend, um they weren't even really complaining about anything. They brought something to my attention and like out of nowhere, just a knee jerk reaction, I offered them free tickets and Amanda, our general manager was like, What what are you doing? You didn't need it. They weren't even complaining. And I think I'm just still so, uh, jumpy from, uh, that first weekend of people, everybody telling me their complaints, um, that I, I tend to, uh, you know, swing the pendulum far the other way. So it was, it was a rough, it was a rough weekend.
0: Well, I would say too, just observing you. And, and again, I'm, I know I'm dad, but I'm taking my dad hat off and just looking at it from one business person to another. I think you've been over backwards trying to make sure that you did right by everybody that you possibly could. And that's the right way to run a business. It, it, it hurts in the short, short run. it, Pays off. I always believe in the long run. You always, you always win. Uh, yes. First few days, uh, uh, that was agonizing to watch and watch you go through that and lead that. But you led well, and and uh, and it was only just another week or so before you're up and running. Things were great. Smiles all over the place. You've collected some really cool and fun stories. Uh, share with the, other our, our listeners just a few of those.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's been probably some of the most humbling thing, uh, one, one of the most humbling things uh, going through this is, yes, we, uh, we, I love our employees and just getting to be with them. I mean, starting with them, uh, you know, for some of them, it's their first job. We we uh, employ 98% high school kids. A lot of them, it's their first job. We're trying to teach them how to have a first job. Some of them have had jobs and they talk about how bad their other employers were. And so um, it's been fun to try to write that in their minds of, hey, em- all employers aren't bad. Um, but also trying to teach them and, and hold them to a higher standard of saying, Hey, listen, we're not going to baby you. We're going to let you, you know, uh, be in charge here. And, and so really empowering some of them, uh, seeing them go off to college, uh, was really cool in August, some of them. Uh, and then almost all of them have come back to work for us over the Christmas break, which is, which is humbling and cool and fun uh the fact that they went off to college uh completed their freshman first semester and and said you know what i want to do over the christmas break is i mean yes they want to make money there's no doubt about it but uh they want to go back to work at dig world i mean they could have gone and worked anywhere uh bucky's pays a lot more than we do um but they chose to come back and work at the park, which was just really cool to see. So that's been fun, uh, helping them through situations or writing them letters for college or writing them letters for, uh, you know, different clubs or organizations. That's been really, really neat. Um, and then, uh, customers that have driven from all over and flown in from all over, uh, to come to our park. You know, a lot of times when you get so close to something, you can, um, it loses its uh, effect, right? It loses its coolness or um, uniqueness to you because you've just been around it so much. It's, it's not, it's not new to you anymore. And watching kids come in um, that have saved up money to come here or watch kids that uh, this is their dream or um, watch people drive in from Louisiana and Oklahoma and Dallas and you know, Florida and uh, Oklahoma city. And I mean, my gosh, we've met people from all over the world. Um and and just hear their stories and and you know one of the things i'm really proud of is is we've committed to before we started the park and, and we execute on it is is we host a special needs night once a quarter we've and it's underwritten by some um great individuals uh trey mounts jason smith kale coves uh uh, Hotchkiss insurance and the list goes on and on. Uh, but people that have stepped up and said, Hey, listen, we're, we we want to sponsor that and, and promote that. And what it is, is it's a night during the week. We shut down the park to the public. Uh, and if you have a, a kid that has any type of special need, um, the, your entire family gets to come to the park for free. Uh, and, and, the premise behind that was where, uh, Jay and Catherine Wolf, we've had them on the show, Hope Hills camp. Uh, they started Hope Hills camp. Melissa and I go every summer with the kids. And the idea behind it was you come to camp for free, and yes, we're going to absolutely invest in uh, the individual in your family that has a disability, but we're going to also invest in the in the siblings that a lot of times get overlooked and, and don't get to participate in things because life may just be too difficult to go do things. I mean, for us, it's too difficult just to go to the water park on Saturday uh, with Pierce. And so Annie, therefore, is going to probably miss out on a lot of opportunities like that. So what we want to do is say, hey, listen. Yes, we want the spe- your kid that has special needs to come to the park, no doubt. And we want them to experience it, and they're going to have a great time and they're going to get to watch Pierce and and, and they're going to get to create memories. But we also want the siblings to come uh, and we want them to come for free. And we want mom and dad to come for free and grandma and grandpa to come for free. And when we sent out the first email, we didn't know the response we'd get uh, within an hour. We had completely sold out. Uh, and within two hours, we had a wait list for the entire next event, uh, <laughs> which sold out within you know 10 minutes of just sending out the email. And so... Um, We've had almost a thousand individuals come to those things uh, and we, and we've got some of the underwriters already in place for this year. And so that's one of the things I'm I'm super, super proud of uh, is just getting to create memories for those individuals and watch parents weep in front of us. I'm just saying, thank you. Um, They've never gotten to have experience like this with their kid or their siblings that don't get to experience this, or they couldn't afford it because life is already expensive enough with a, with a kid with a disability. And so um, thank you to those underwriters out there. Um, and, and it's, it's funny. We joke often on our top staff that, uh, we always have call outs with our high school kids on Saturdays and Sundays. All of a sudden they were all quote unquote, remember that they have something to do. Uh, but we've had a hundred percent staff attendance, every special needs night we've had, uh, because those kids love to come and work those events. So that's also a really, really cool thing.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I understand that you've got a a truly unexpected, but a very special event scheduled in just a few weeks. What can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, we were contacted by Make-A-Wish
1: Foundation, and uh, there's this individual um, that's going to be flying in um, from Minnesota, and his wish is to operate equipment at Dig World. And so uh, we get to be a part of Make-A-Wish, which is, again, utterly mind-blowing that we've, uh, you know. Rick and Amanda and Chelsea and and all of us have, have been a part of building something that gets to be a wish for a kid going through some some tough times, and so we get to host him at the park next week and uh and his whole family, and we're super super pumped about that. I was on a call with the day about it, so uh it's going to be a really really unique experience. And then we'll see what the, this next year unfolds for us, and we'll see what growth looks like. um We have a, a goal to build more of these parks, and so. Um, hopefully we'll be announcing that later this year of where we're going next and what that looks like. And so, uh, it will be a crazy fast year. I'm sure we'll be doing this in 2024, looking back, laughing at all the stuff done in 2023.
0: <laughs> for sure. And Hey, before we leave dig world, uh, you do have a special relationship, uh, uh, with some organizations, uh, outside of your own, uh, including Texas A&M. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And then also, um, dig world is a destination for field trips
1: yeah so we have some great sponsors uh, and corporate partners Texas A m construction science uh, Texas Children's Hospital Texas Capital Bank Vulcan um, Mustang cat obviously they, they're a provider of all of our equipment and great investors of ours and so uh, we have some great partners that allow us to to operate um, and we're huge huge um momentum boosters for us, um, as we open the park. Uh, and so we host corporate events uh, it's been really fun. And then field trips have been really, really cool, um, to get to be a part of that. you 150 fifth graders or fourth graders or second graders run around oh my gosh it gets so loud uh that pavilion but they have a great time i mean they're pumped to be there The teachers are pumped to be there uh get to teach them about construction and 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 science and then just cut them loose and have fun for a couple hours so uh that's been a really really unique uh cool experience as well
0: well congratulations on nine uh, plus months of successful operation and look forward to your first anniversary coming up uh, in the uh, end of Q1. Yeah. Uh, now, 2023. Well, now let's, let's flip it uh, on you.
1: I took enough of the show already. Give us your update uh, of what's been going on the last two and a half years.
0: Well, just some fun stuff. Um, as I stepped away from Baylor Scott and White after a long career and uh, over 30 years in healthcare leadership. Uh, worked with a financial advisory firm, Baker Tilly, and was able to work with them and some of their partners and do some fun things. Also had the opportunity uh, really through you, Jacob, and we actually had the founder of Integris on our podcast uh, early on and uh, began to work with them and learning more about uh, refining some of the things that I've been able to do most of, uh, most of my career in in the world of coaching and leadership coaching, mentoring, and uh, helping leaders grow and become very successful. And so it's been fun. Uh, Rhonda and I talked about it, prayed about it. And by the end of 2020, we had launched uh, Pacer Consultants. Um, A little background information on Pacer, uh, where in the world that name came from. Uh, P is for Pierce. A is for Annie. C is for Caden, Colt, and Chambers. E is for Elijah. And R is for Robinson. So it's all the grandkids. Uh, So now Jacob and Josh and Sarah Catherine only can choose P A C. E or R to begin names of any future children. That's so right. if not, you're going to mess up my logo. So that's right. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm saying all that in, in total kidding. You can name your child anything you want to. You have another grandchild. We will love it no matter what their name yeah. is. Um, but uh, family and grandkids have been a lot of what we've been doing over the last two and a half years. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to uh, to work uh, uh, within PACER and work with so many different organizations. But some of you may remember 2020 was the year we we launched the podcast. It was also the year of our 40th anniversary. And so Rhonda and I had planned two trips, uh, uh, special trips for 2020, and like everyone else, no one got any special trips in 2020. So we postponed it, and in uh, in the May of 2022, we were able to go to Israel with some dear friends. Todd Steele, uh, he was on the podcast. Uh, Todd is the dean of Truett Seminary, and so we went with uh, Baylor University's Truett Seminary team and uh, went over to the Holy Land, and that was just fascinating. got to go with some special friends. Friends from South Carolina, uh, Clayton Houchins and his wife, Hope, and it was just an excellent trip into a meaningful and very, very beautiful land uh, for sure. And then this past fall, Back in October uh, of 2022, we were able to uh, travel with uh, some folks who've been on our podcast, uh, Tim and Regina Lancaster from Lubbock, and David and Cheryl Gregory of Georgia, and we were able to stay in Florence for several weeks, use that great train system to visit some beautiful and wonderful places. And we won't even take time to begin to talk about the food and the cuisine uh, as we know it, it was just amazing. But, uh, anyway, um, uh, enough about us. Uh, let's spend the remainder of our time reflecting on some of these amazing guests that have given us their time to join us on the podcast.
1: You know, over the last two and a half years, obviously, uh, with 99 guests, uh, we've been able to collect, uh, some great quotes, nuggets, uh, um, you know, parcels of wisdom, uh, Some things that we expected, some things that we had no clue were coming um, from our guests. And so we've taken a few of those, and uh, we may just jump around and talk about a few of those guests and and rehash some of those quotes and and how it stood out to us. So, Dad, uh, where where should we start?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. You and I sat down during Christmas, and we started putting our minds together, and it was amazing the wealth of – sayings, quotes, insights, teachings, those kinds of things, and so we wanted to share just some of those. We won't be able to even really dig too deeply because of time, but uh, I think of one of our guests, uh, Chuck Bentley. He's the CEO of Crown Ministries, does a lot of work in the space of helping people get on a budget, stay on a budget, uh, and, and more importantly, become a better steward uh, of how they are able to give. But I remember him saying the church is the world's largest mutual fund. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and I pause and I think about that, and I think that's true. Yeah.
1: No, I, I completely agree. I think a lot of times we have the uh, – you know, the – Pastor of the church we're going to here, and Katie always does a great job of reframing uh, why we give, right? And and uh, the things that um, the benefits and uh, that it shows all around the world. And so uh, I do a lot of times think we just we we you know pastors always talk about the number one uh, sermon they hate giving is about or uh, that the sermon they hate giving is about giving. Um, and I think we just have a, lo- a hard time. Um, framing it correctly and so i thought that was really cool he another quote that he, he stole from abraham lincoln which is you know pretty famous guy uh but i <laughs> like it. it it's it's not the years in your life but the life in your years um and i think that's just i think that's a, a really good way of framing everything um i, I re- uh, started reading a book this morning about ecclesiastes and It talks about hey like the, the quicker we can accept the death is coming um the better we can live uh our, our our life and i think that's right it's not the years in your life but the life in your years
0: yeah, especially as uh, you grow older, like me, uh, you begin to think about those things more and more. And yeah. and that one is just really true. Another one he said that I really like: read the Bible and get to know the author. Yeah, read the Bible and get to know the author. Yeah, you and know, I just uh, never heard it phrased that way. Well, and and, it, and
1: it's interesting, right? Like uh, you and know, I talked about this. I can't, I can't remember if it was um, it's Henry Blackbeard or who who says it, but we think about uh, we have no problem uh, i'm currently do reading biographies and uh uh you know i'm reading one about alexander hamilton right now and we'd love to read stories about people or b- books they write about themselves or other people have written about them and 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 we don't view the bible that way right i mean that's that's the biography of god and jesus and and and, and we just we don't view it that way for some reason and so that was really eye opening i i can't remember who to give credit to but you know another guest at jp jonathan Pakuda, pastor of your church um Uh, you know, world-renowned author, speaker, podcast host himself. If you haven't heard any or read any stuff, please, please do. Um, but one of the quotes that he talked about: worry is is being fearful that God is going to get it wrong, and bitterness is believing that He did. Uh, and I I thought that you know, for us as as parents, business owners. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Worrying is being fearful that God's going to get it wrong and bitterness, bitterness is believing he did. You know, I, I remember like when, when Pierce got sick, uh, one of the things that always said to me is, Hey, God is not sitting up in heaven going, what just happened down there? Uh, I took my off the ball for two seconds and everything runs amok. No, uh, you know, he, he knows exactly, uh, what's going on and he's going to get it right. Uh, it just may not look like the right we want it to be, but I thought that was a, uh, a, a good quote from him.
0: Yeah. And then and he quoted uh, JP on our podcast. He quoted Todd Wagner and, and kind of in a similar vein said, Dependence is the goal, weakness is the advantage. Yeah. And, uh, and so often we, we think anti American. Disadvantage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and, a, and a couple others from him, uh, one, especially on marriage, he said, Two key indicators of a successful marriage learn to resolve conflict and communicate effectively. And uh, and that's so important, not only in a marriage, but in a business, um, in any sort of leadership role, for sure. Yeah. speaking about,
1: uh, you know, Nathan Harness, nine eleven <clears throat> survivor, we had another nine eleven survivor on here, uh, Senator Brian Birdwell. He was in the Pentagon. Uh, just a crazy, crazy story. And uh, his office was the one that was directly hit by the plane. Um, and so go back and listen to that for sure. But uh, one of the things that uh, his pastor in Virginia at the time said, God doesn't waste our pain. Um, and, and I, you know, I think that's, that's right. And, um, God has not, you know, I, I'm sure uh, myself included on our selfish days, we want to take the pain away, but God does not waste our pain. And our mission in life is to tell his story, uh, not our story. So I thought that was really powerful coming from a guy who has everything in the world to complain about. Um, and especially in that moment, uh, severe burns, um, again, go back and listen to that. It is a, is a. I always hate to say good podcast, but it was it was a it's a phenomenal story uh, and one that'll give you perspective for sure. Um, you know, we had Jen Dennison on here twice, uh, which was really cool. I mean, that's that's one of those guys that you put in a category of like when we started this, you put in the category of like, you think we could ever get him on the show? Uh, and and uh, then he came on twice. I don't know if that says more about us or him, but uh, you know, it, we got him on here twice. And one of the things he said, uh, we think we know what we want. God knows what we need. Uh, And I think that falls in category of of everything we've been saying with JP and Brian Birdwell.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another great guest uh, is Timothy Atik. Uh, Has a relationship in the early years at Baylor University, then went on to lead Breakaway at Texas A&M. And that's where he was when he was on the podcast. And then, uh, and our podcast had nothing to do with this next step. I don't want anyone to come (laughs) away with that conclusion. You're welcome, T.A. Yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah,
0: that's right. But he was tapped and chosen to be the next lead pastor at Watermark Church in Dallas. Uh, And Timothy uh, Atik, or T.A. as he's called, uh, had a number of great quotes. Uh, Which of those were probably your favorite, Jacob? Yeah, I think the one that stands out just this day and age with information, right?
1: Uh, there's, a, there's a divide between a lot of information, which is easily available today, and wisdom. Uh, you, you can consume a lot of information and not be wise. Uh, and so I thought that was that was really interesting. And then obviously the, the celebrate everyone. No one loses. Uh, I thought that was a really good one too. And in, in this day and age, of this culture, uh, we want to make sure me, myself, and I is celebrated and acknowledged. Um, but if you celebrate others, no one loses.
0: One of the others, uh, speaking of wisdom, he said, zeal without wisdom is very dangerous. Hmm. Zeal plus wisdom leads to great impact. I'll say that one again. Zeal without wisdom is very dangerous. Zeal plus wisdom leads to great impact. And then uh, another one that really resonated with both of us, uh, talent will get you a job. Character will help you keep your job. Yeah, no, I had called today was, from somebody
1: asking me about somebody's character. That's all they wanted to know about. They didn't care about uh, resume or anything like that. All they wanted to know was about somebody's character, uh, and that was that was the only reason they called. And that was, and so um, that's that's one hundred percent true. You know, we also had Craig Denison, Jim's son, uh, on the show. Uh, he's got a great ministry of his own, First Fifteen, and a few others um, that you can check out on their Denison Ministry uh, website that ha- that hosts all of their. Uh, ministry platforms um and and i think it goes back to what i was talking about a second ago one of his quotes about when we view the bible and scripture in the in the right context of of really what it is uh he said time alone with god is an invitation not an obligation um and and we we you know we we wake up in the morning we want to check boxes <clears throat> we want to get things done but we have the god of the universe wanting to spend time with us. Uh, And a lot of times we frame it as an obligation um, and, and a a checkbox. And so um, I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. Another one from Craig. In fact, you could have used this for your grand opening on particularly rough days. I like to remind myself that my track record yes. for getting through bad days so far is one hundred percent. That's right. That's last good. last night Melissa and I were watching Sing One with
1: Annie. Uh with Annie. Uh and um and uh great, great movie. Uh, actually I woke up this morning excited about finishing it tonight because our three year old did not make it through the two hour movie. Um, <clears throat> but Melissa, and I was sitting there on the couch and Buster Moon, the main character, uh he he's going through a really hard time. <clears throat> And he looks at his friends and he, and he said, "You know, when you hit rock bottom." And he pauses. And I looked at Melissa, and I go, "You can only go up from there." And then he repeats, "You can only go up from there." <laughs> and she looks at me. And she goes, "Why do you know that?" Uh, <laughs> and so, um, and I, you you can get a. I've gotten through a hundred percent of my bad days, uh, and the only place you can go from the rock bottom is up. So uh, that is that is good. Um, you know, my youth pastor. We had him on Seth Buckley, one of my uh, few youth pastors. We had him on, um, and he had some. Uh, Just really
0: great story and uh, a lot of quotes. Any any of them stand out to you? Yeah, in fact, this one uh, I use in coaching all the time, and I really like what Seth had to say. Let your motivation in life be to serve others. That's where the completeness is found in our faith. Being set free to come alongside others is the stuff. And and it's really about being a servant leader. It's really about finding the joy in serving others. But also, I really like the way in which Seth phrases it. It's the completeness. It's found in your faith when you learn how to serve others. Mm, yep. Another guest that we had uh, was another friend of yours from your tenure at Second Baptist in Houston, uh, Gary Thomas, uh, who's also a well-known author and teacher.
1: I love Gary, uh, Gary, my very first day of being minister on call, which essentially just means if anything goes down at the church or the guy, uh, that, um, that gets the phone call, uh, Gary was my uh, counterpart that, that got to teach me how to handle that day. And, uh, ever since then, he, <clears throat> he and I've had a great friendship and, uh, I just, I, I just love spending time with that guy. I think, um, he's, he's just, um, Full of wisdom, super unique, um, gifted, uh, wildly gifted uh, uh, introvert, um, but as it comes alive on stage and just uses this unique ability that God's given him, but then also a phenomenal writer. <clears throat> but one of the things he talked about um, in his, in his, uh, you know, about uh, sermons, I thought it was really a interesting analogy. Uh, he said, why we need sermons, right? Why we need daily prayer. He, he said, uh, I don't remember every meal I've eaten, but I, I needed every single one of them. And and I thought that was interesting. I I, I don't remember every meal I've eaten, uh, but I needed every single one of them. And I think that's about sermons and prayers. I I don't remember them all, but I needed every single one of them. Uh and so again, if you haven't checked out any of Gary's writings,
0: uh by all means, go uh go look at those for sure. Yeah, and I really like what he said because you know he is a gifted writer. Yeah. And he had some recommendation because so many people want to write a book. Some people are in the midst of writing their very first book. Uh, and he says this about writing. He said, writers who succeed are those who need to write, not just want to, and mm-hmm. so there's a there's a need there. And then he talked about the refinement piece of it. He said, if you really get down to it, writing is rewriting. Yep. Writing is rewriting. So for those people in our listening audience that are thinking about writing a book, a couple of pearls of wisdom from Gary Thomas.
1: You know, another uh, pastor at Harris Creek, uh, great author uh, that we had on the show, Scott Kedersha, uh marriage pastor there. Um, I know you and him have a great relationship. Uh, anything from that episode?
0: I, I really like this. It was it was very simple, but gosh, it is just so strong. It says, "Know yourself, like yourself, be yourself," yeah. and and so often as as leaders, as dads, as husbands, uh, uh, you know whatever role we might be playing in life sometimes it's we we might know ourselves sometimes if we're really blessed, we may like ourselves, but the real secret is are we always being ourselves and I thought that was rich from Scott
1: yeah, yeah, I know <clears throat> Kat Armstrong, a colleague of yours um and she's the author podcast host um she does a thousand things um she had a really uh great insight it's one of these quotes that makes sense, but then you sit in it for a second you're like, oh I never would have really thought about that. Uh, hurt people, hurt people, um, and I thought that was interesting as we deal with, you know, colleagues or family members or or <clears throat> friends, whatever it may be. Hurt people, hurt people, and and so uh, I think it gives us insight to dive deeper into those individuals and and really try to figure out what's going on in their lives um, because I do I do think there that's that's true and a great insight.
0: Yeah. Great words from Kat on that particular subject. Uh, we mentioned earlier, one of our top five episodes, Drayton McLean, the founder and CEO of McLean group, former owner of the Houston Astros. You and I both have had the pleasure of getting to know and meet Drayton on a number of different levels and a number of different ways. Uh, and I know uh, personally that you have hijacked some of his material and actually oh, yeah. made it into one of your speeches. Uh, you, want yes. to, you want to talk about that?
1: Uh, I hijack it every time I can get, uh, to be fair, I do give him credit every single time. Uh, uh, but how much th- this episode means to me? I, I, you, for Christmas, you gave me my new uh, my daily uh, journal is probably not the right word, but where I take all my notes from meetings and um, book whatever I've got on me at all times. But in the in the front of it, I always I write the same things every year. I, I've got a couple of Bible verses in there, Psalm 15, and then and then I've got these four things from Drayton McLean. Uh, and I think because it stood out so much uh, to me, so he's got four things that he learned from his MBA professor at Michigan State before they graduated. First thing is dare to dream. It's free. Uh, I tell, I get to go back and teach college, uh, a couple of college classes at A&M. And I and I sit there and listen, dream. People have lost the art of dreaming uh, and, and it's free. Uh, dream crazy dreams. Uh, number two is operate out of your imagination, not memory. This one's hard for me. Um, and, and I got to keep operating out of my imagination, not the things that have gone wrong because more times than not, we only play the things that have gone wrong in our head rather than the things that have gone right. Number three, I really like this one. Uh, this seems to be the theme of my life so far uh, in businesses. Um, seek uh, In everything you do, seek adversity. The lines are shorter. Um, you know how many theme parks there are there for construction equipment? Two, uh, <laughs> which which means the lines are shorter, uh, but also there's a lot of adversity out there. Um, and and um, I, I thought that was really great. Just in everything you do, seek adversity. The lines are shorter. Don't take the easy way out. Uh, and then number four, walk with elephants. Um, and, and I think that just, you know, I take that as get, get larger than life individuals around you. And I think this podcast has been one of those things that's allowed me to walk with elephants. Uh, it allows me to sit around people and talk to people that have a Drayton McLean resume, um, and, and, uh, get to spend an hour and a half. I mean, you and I've always talked about, it's just fun memories for you and I, but it's really a crazy excuse to sit down with somebody and just pick their brain for an hour and a half for free and, and uh, get to do these once in a lifetime meetings with individuals and capture some of their
0: thoughts. So I do, I hijack those four things all the time and I love every single one of them. Yeah. He's just an amazing person and just continues to contribute and contribute and contribute in in so many ways. Um, Our good friend, Tim Lancaster had recommended on the podcast that we uh, connect with Ginger Nelson. Uh, She's an attorney, but also the mayor of Amarillo, Texas. And, boy, we could probably spend a whole podcast just rehashing her podcast. Uh, there have been several guests that just gave us rich quotes. Uh, looking back over over our time with Ginger, uh, what comes to mind uh, for you, Jacob? Yeah, a few of that have transcended uh, into the theme park space for me.
1: Um, you know, all uh, one of the quotes, uh, all of the easy problems have already been solved. What's left are the tough right. challenges. I love that one. Um, and uh, rather than this per- person being a problem, what do they know that can help us solve the issue before us? Uh, we need to hear it. I think that's such an interesting insight of, of saying, ah, this person's an annoyance to me, a problem to me, a nuisance. They, but reframing it to go, and they may have the answer of exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, and then I like this one. Uh, we get baptized by criticism so that we can be <laughs> inoculated against praise. Um, I think that's good. Uh, we, get, we get baptized by criticism so we can be inoculated against praise.
0: Yeah, and one and one final one from Ginger that I really love, and, and uh, she and her husband tell their children, the best mistakes to learn from are someone else's, and uh, that is that yeah. is great advice. Yeah, another wonderful guest we had, uh, Cheryl Victorian. Uh, she's Waco's first female police chief. She's Waco's first African-American police chief. Uh, came from Houston, uh, just an, an amazing lady. And I remember she was telling a story that early in her career, she was in the squad room uh, there in Houston. And uh, she was just a, a a younger patrol officer. And this person walked into the room with a, a fancy uniform and obviously a lot of brass and gold uh, around the collars. And 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 knew as this person was someone important. And this person never spoke to anyone, never said anything. And after uh, they were dismissed, she turned to her partner and said, who is that guy? And said, well, he was an assistant police chief. And, yeah. uh, and, and she said then, she said, I said to myself, if I ever get the opportunity to be in leadership, I've got to remember you're never too important or high in rank to be nice. Yeah. Being nice. Uh, just a great takeaway from Chief Cheryl Victorian. Yeah, I love that. You know, we talked about him at the uh, beginning of the show, uh, Brookwood,
1: Yvonne Street, and uh, Vivian Shooty were on the show. And uh, I get to be in board meetings now with both of them. Uh, and Yvonne, who's – I probably shouldn't do this – 93, I think, 92, 93? Sharp as tack. Uh, still runs that boardroom. Uh, when she speaks, everybody's quiet and we listen. Um, and and a couple of things that um, <clears throat> she said that have always stuck with me um, – Try to find the ember of God in everyone you meet, then fan it into a flame. Um, I think that's that's uh, taking the, the the best of everybody and then fan it into a flame. The other story she tells is um, she says there was this a young boy walking a, along the beach at night, and all these starfish had washed up on the beach. And there were just hundreds of them and hundreds of them. And they uh, obviously couldn't get back out to sea. So he picks one up, and he's throwing it into the ocean. And then he walks, he picks another one up, and he throws it in the ocean. He picks another one up throws it in the ocean. And this old guy comes along and says, what are you doing? He said, I'm putting the starfish back in the sea. He said, there's hundreds of them out here. You're not going to make a difference. Why are you doing this? He picked up another starfish, looked at it, looked at the guy, and he goes, it matters to this one. And so uh, I think that's a, a really cool story, especially for us that uh, get to uh, assist to being part of Brookwood, is everybody uh, matters, and it matters to that person that you're dealing with. Uh, even if the challenge seems too big uh, and too vast and, and too uh, exhaustive, hey, it matters to somebody, just that one person.
0: And I did not expect her to say this, but when she sees something <laughs> that she does not value very much, she says, bologna, spamoni, and pepperoni. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, I've heard that before in me meeting, too, yes.
0: Uh, and so, like I said, she,
1: uh, I've, I have said in few rooms in my life, I've been blessed, where I've truly witnessed when somebody speaks, everybody gets quiet and listens. Um, and uh, she is one of them. And, and it is an uh, honor to sit around that table. And just hear her inside and still at 90, 90 plus years old is what we'll just say, pushing and challenging people to think bigger. You got to think bigger. You've got to think bigger. And and they're going, what are you talking about? We've, we've built a massive organization out here that is a world renowned facility that people come to from all around the world to learn how you do it. And you're sitting in a boardroom going bigger. You got to think bigger. And uh, she has every excuse in the book to just hang it up, call it a, uh, a day and um, and and have somebody who's lived a life that will outlive her, but she still, uh, is pushing for everybody to be, think bigger. So that
0: was, that is really cool. Amazing lady. And, uh, just an inspiring spirit, uh, to be around for sure. Um, one of the couples that we had on our podcast, Blair and Jordan Browning, uh, they often are, uh, sought after speakers for marriage conferences and they're really, a uh, target, uh, topic that they speak on so well has to do with healthy communication. And, uh, there were several takeaways that both you and I had from Blair and Jordan Browning.
1: Yeah. Halt, right. Uh, that's their, that's their big acronym, uh, avoid tough conversations. Uh, I am Glenn Robinson's son. Uh, and so you need to avoid tough conversations when we're the H, when we're hungry, um, hungry, <laughs> angry, late, lost, or lonely or tired. Uh, I think those are all great. Uh, um, no, and then no conver- no tough conversations past 10 p.m. Um, uh, I think those are great uh, nuggets of wisdom there.
0: Yeah, they're, they're, that is not a 10 p.m. conversation, uh, as no. uh, Rhonda and I will often say. And then one final one from Blair. She said, you want to be the uh, – and a final one from Blair. He said, you want to be the calmest person in the room. And yeah. uh words of wisdom from the book of Proverbs, actually.
1: Yeah. Uh Chris York, a buddy of yours, he has two quotes that uh I texted our general manager. Um, and it's it's really neat to to think about in the the context of a theme park or any business, any business. I'm just I'm heavily in the customer service business right now. Uh it's a customer service is an attitude, not a department. Uh and a lot of times I think we, oh, I'll send you over to customer service. No, listen. If you work at a company, you're in customer service uh, and, and somebody is your customer. Uh, it's not, it's an attitude, not a department. The other thing that I love that he said is culture eats strategy for breakfast, but if you combine them, you get to eat whatever you want. Um, <laughs> culture eats strategy for breakfast, but if you combine them, you get to eat whatever
0: you want. And I liked when he quoted coach Vince Lombardi, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection... We can catch excellence, and I really like what Chris had to say there for sure.
1: Dad, I know uh, an author that you became familiar with, Jim Witten, um, and then we had him on the show, and it was it was fantastic. What what stood out to you on that episode?
0: Well, I like I like one of, that really is kind of funny but kind of true. He quoted Irma Bomb back on the podcast. He said Thanksgiving dinners take eighteen hours to prepare; they're consumed in twelve minutes. By the way, half times take 12 minutes. And that is no coincidence That's talking right. about right. the combination of football <laughs> on Thanksgiving. And I don't know if you read his email this morning. He always sends Jacob and I interesting emails, a uh, quick trivia question from Jim Whidden, the most common bird in the world, most common bird in the world. What do you think? Uh,
1: I did not read the email this morning. I do not know.
0: Well, I mean, I would have thought blackbirds. I mean, when you're, especially sure. on a fall day, you're driving through West Texas and you this big flock of blackbirds get up. You would think there's got to be more blackbirds anywhere else in the world. Uh, or if you're here in Texas, grackles, uh, you, you got to think grackles are the yeah, most common. Buzzards. Yeah, yeah, buzzards, that's for sure. Uh, the chicken. The chicken by far is the most common bird in the world. There you go. There you go. A piece of trivia from our friend, Jim Whitten.
1: I like that. I like that. Uh, You know, you and I both, uh, I've gotten to know uh, our our most recent guest, Tracy Schmidt, uh, over the past couple of years, I got to know his son first through church and then him and just a phenomenal human being, phenomenal leader. Um, and, uh, you've gotten to know him now as well. And both of us call him friend. Um, And I call him mentor, but, uh, we had him on and man, just, if you have not listened to that episode, my gosh, uh, go listen to that episode. Uh, this is an individual that has, um, the resume that you want, uh, and, um, and has had the phenomenal experiences and and gives all the credit to God and, and has led a life of that, uh, through all his leadership, his family, community, all the above. So what stood out to you on that episode, Dan?
0: Oh. Well, he's he's another one that we could spend another hour just talking about. One was about following God, following God's direction and he said he it came to a conclusion later in his life he was getting ready to make a huge career change. And he said tent pegs came to his mind. And I'm I'm thinking when he said that, my, where are we going with tent pegs? Yeah, yeah. And he said he said if you really are trying to pursue God and his leading in your life, first begin looking to God with your palms up and willing to go. But more importantly, make sure that your tent pegs are just carefully tapped into the ground, not too far. He said, if your tent pegs are four feet down, you're not really ready to follow God. So always be looking, uh, perhaps set another way, have your sail up, be ready to catch the next breeze.
1: Yeah, for sure. And another thing that stood out, he, one of his mentors is Henry Blackaby. And if you've not read Experiencing God, please or order that and read that, go through the book, but he said, Henry Blackbee told him the most fruitful ministry territory for God in the next 50 to 75 years is the business world. Uh, the church is getting watered down. It's looking more and more like the world. The church is starting to turn its back on the word of God. Living in Living out your faith at work begins with your identity. Who are you? Uh, and I thought that was so interesting. You know, a lot of times we sit in work and we go, man, am I doing enough for the kingdom? Um, should, I, should I go do something else? Should I do nonprofit work? We, we lose sight of, hey, what I'm doing right here is the most impactful thing. And, I, and I've been able to see that over the last few years of individuals that I, I can have conversations with or <clears> – <throat> um, um, i have gotten asked questions of why do you do X, Y, and Z? Uh, and I absolutely believe, uh, the, the, most fruitful ministry territory for God in the next 50 to 75 years is, is the business world. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. Another quote he had from Fred Smith, um, said to be successful, you've got to do three things. Well, shoot, move and communicate, uh, shoot, move and communicate. And, and I thought that was really insightful.
0: Well, one that really spoke to me at my phase of life, my age of life, he said that he was quoting uh, Henry Blackaby on this one. And Henry told him, he said, the most impactful years of your life are between 65 and 80. They may not be the highest income earning years, but he said, "Do you think God invested all of this in you?" And going to the sidelines and retiring is the right thing to do. He said. Uh, he said this. He said, "I. I want when I die, I want to have my boots on and that they're muddy. Mm. Uh, I really like that. Uh, retirement is not an option for me," said Tracy Schmidt. Uh, just a great, great guy and full of wisdom for sure. Love it. Love it. One final quote from from Tracy. He said this, uh, and this is a great insight and a great challenge for all of us as leaders. And he said this from his years at FedEx. He learned this through and through. He said, if you want to do it better and you want to lead better, ask the frontline people. They always know how to do it better. Tracy Smith, former CFO and senior vice president at FedEx. Well, there are just so many more that we could go on forever and, and continue to quote just some of the amazing guests. And to our guests, if we didn't get a chance to mention you today, hey, please forgive us uh, for not giving you a shout out because all of our guests have done such a great job.
1: Yeah, it has truly been remarkable. Uh This has been fun. It's been a fun hobby for my dad and I. It's been uh Amazing to meet each and every one of our guests to talk to them to get to know them to call them friends uh, now. Uh, And thank you to our listeners uh, for uh, encouraging us (laughs) for pushing us uh, for sending us uh, recommendations. I know one of my good friends, I wake up to emails often of him connecting us to another potential guest. And uh, we're just super, super thankful for each and every one of you. If you have a guest. Uh, that you said hey this person's got a story that needs to be told we want to hear from them Um, but the fact that y'all have allowed us to put a hundred of these together uh, and you keep listening um, uh, has been truly humbling remarkable um, and just just really really fun for us Uh, make sure you subscribe share our podcast with others follow us along on instagram all that good stuff Uh, until next time keep chasing what matters